0: All right. Welcome to the Music Chamber, everybody. Dan Hegarty here. Charlie Wehmeyer here. And Tim Patterson Tim there. Tim Patterson over here. Tim Patterson. So here we have Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda with Luke Skywalker today. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, he- I'm here go. with the two biggest mentors I've had uh, as a drummer in California. So once again, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. You've gotten me to this level, and uh, it's been an interesting ride. And, <laughs> and we're all still friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty shocking. The fact that you're friends with him, I think, is the most shocking. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Wait a I tried to get rid of him for years and just kept oh. coming back around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's funny. So Tim is here because Tim taught both Charlie and myself. He is a very experienced touring and session drummer uh, and music educator as well. So thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Hermans you're Hermits. Wrong. And hey, I didn't even say it yet. You really <laughs> are my teacher, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Hermans Hermits and. Paul Revere and the Raiders are two of the artists that you. Yeah, work with. I did.
1: I was kind of the king of oldies for a long time, and I uh, toured with a bunch of different people. And one of them was Peter Noon from Herman's Hermits. and oh, nice. Uh, Mark Lindsay from Paul Revere and the Raiders, Del Shannon, Little anthony there are all sorts of all awesome sorts of them that in that era. That I got to play with, so very fun.
0: Yeah, when uh, when you met my folks when they were out here visiting, and you to- you told them some of that, uh, they were like, "Listen to everything he says." <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you know,
1: I remember meeting
0: your parents. Isn't that funny that yeah. I don't actually remember that? Interesting. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Ten years now. Yeah. That was in the fall of two thousand seven. Wow. So, yeah, it's quite some time, time ago. ago. <laughs> Luckily, I'm still the same. That was age. ten years ago, man. It was. Yeah. That's what he said. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. This is Charlie who says he just absorbs everything he needs to hear. I was hear doing and a technical everything. job for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I have many
2: jobs happening right now. All, all you guys have to do is talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Including grabbing those fries for the people next
0: door. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. So. Uh, we usually open the show talking a little bit about what we've been up to and some sports, but I think we're both going to skip that this week, huh?
2: <laughs> no, There's no, sports? No
0: no sports this week. I have week. no idea what you're talking about. Nope. What are sports? Nope. The Giants definitely didn't lose 51-17. to 17. The Chiefs That's won. 51-17?
2: No.
0: <laughs> I was going to say. It was fucking pathetic. Yeah. It also hurts Even to Oscar was pissed off. Oh, I don't blame him, man. It always hurts a little bit more to lose to the Cowboys. Believe yeah. me, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you watch exactly. football too? I don't. I don't remember. No, I don't. You're smart. Don't.
1: No, I've just never <laughs> been a sports guy. It's funny because I look and go, "Man, that looks like it'd be so much fun to be into." And I just started playing really young, and that's all I ever did.
0: You stayed focused. Music. That's good. I guess. Yeah.
1: I yeah. guess. I, you know, I played a tiny bit of basketball in in uh, junior high school, and I was really bad at it. Oh, really? And then I ran track. And they told me I'd either had to quit smoking or run track. And so I decided running track was a good thing to give up. (laughs) (laughs) Because I smoked for about 40 years after that. Wow. Nice. I know, not exactly. Kids, don't try that at home. <laughs> yes, definitely don't try that. Does at anybody home. smoke cigarettes anymore? I don't think hardly anybody does.
0: Oh, there's plenty, believe yeah? me. Yeah,
1: not as many as it,
2: it used to be,
0: though. No, oh, it's definitely different from uh, a couple of years back, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I
2: hardly ever see anybody smoke those damn. Things. Well, before we dive in, Dan, what do we have coming up on
0: December seventh? We have the most important show of the year. We have our Toys for Tots benefit, the annual show that we do here at Ultimate Studios in L.A. So we're going to be doing this. This is the third year. Thank you again to the Marines and Toys for Tots. We appreciate it. And thank you for serving our country. Uh, So this year we have uh, Electra Baracos is going to play. She has like a very, I guess, like 90s, like garbage and L7 vibe, but also Mm. very like modern pop wise. I guess she's kind of like Flyleaf and... um, uh, uh, Was that man Hellstorm? I think is the the, the tune with the yeah. uh, brother and the sister. So very high energy stuff. Dan Welby is the drummer. He's a friend of the show as well. Oh, Dan's pulling cool. double duty. Yes, and Dan Welby's also playing with. with the Blood Moon Howlers. Yeah. Wow. Nice. So we've got a those busy two. night for him. Yeah. Yep. And an it easy night for Charlie because that also that's only makes one my time night time. a
2: lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> Were you gonna be playing? No, I only oh, have one drummer changeover. Change yeah. Right. No, we,
0: he, Charlie has 72 jobs to do that night, so he will <laughs> not be performing. <laughs> and then opening is uh, country artist Rob Linus. That's going to be awesome. We have yep. a really great show planned. So, the, show. the thing about the show, the most important thing about the show, it is free with a toy. Bring a toy, a new unwrapped unwrapped toy, if you mm. want to come to the studio. The show is free. Otherwise, you got to pay twenty bucks. And the Marines are going to be there with the collection jar. You're yeah, not getting so you're not getting stuff. in. Don't even <laughs> don't even think about it. You don't bring a toy. there will be two Marines out there saying, "Uh-uh, no, sir, not not one bit." And uh, it's a great cause, and we really love packing it out for the kids, because especially yeah, this time course. of year. You know.
1: Of course,
2: I And all three our acts are great, too, so we're going to have a lot of good music, plus some extra video. We're going to spruce this one up a little bit. It's going to be a fun night. Yeah, we've got some uh, excellent new crew members who are going to be helping us out that night. Yep, we have a big crew. And at 7, we're going to be doing a behind-the-scenes recording Ninja Workshop broadcast, just of the setup. Mm. So from 7 to 7.20, before we take a break to eat
0: before the show, we're going to go through the whole entire setup. That's awesome. Yeah, so you're going to get a full experience whether you're at home or here. So yep. if you can't come here, exactly. go online and check out the show online because we'll be live streaming. Yep. Can yeah. they donate online? Yep. We'll yep.
2: have the donate buttons, the whole that's nine fantastic. yards. Yeah. Oh, and there's fantastic. an event page right now on on Facebook that we're getting all this information slowly on as well. Yes. Yes.
0: It's we're getting there, and I also want to thank our two sponsors. We have two great sponsors for this event. We have Warlord Clothing. Thank you again to Bruce and Warlord. They're going to be giving us mm-hmm. some stuff for the raffle. As is Hellbent Leather, uh, run by my friend Brooke. Thank you again, Brooke. Most appreciated. Um, so there will be a surprise for you. you known well. all these
2: clothing companies. Oh, here we go, right? Is that where you're
0: Okay, says the guy with the t-shirt he clearly got with the console that's over here You <laughs> know how many of these no, I have? No, no. no he, bought
1: this, the, he bought the t-shirt and the console came with it <laughs> Oh, so that's how it I is I have enough of these that
2: my wardrobe is this Yeah
0: <laughs> A stack of it I'm like, so, I'm a Yeah, that's it Yeah, <laughs> Who's that remind you of? Uh (laughs)
2: i'm not gonna call any names out but (laughs) not not today anyway (laughs) exactly
0: yes so tim now that you've been a good enough sport to come here with us and hear all about (laughs) our show and whatnot no pressure you're coming on the seventh right you'll be here. oh yeah i'll be here (laughs)
1: good it's right near the end of classes
0: Mm -hmm. perfect it's the it's the first thursday in december i think it's four weeks from tonight so four weeks from tonight mark your calendar make sure you're here if you're not here Get online and watch it there. Yep, it'll be awesome. It's a great cause. We're happy that everyone's here, and we'll have more information about this as we get up to the event. Not there exciting. will be more episodes, more videos, more stuff coming out.
1: It's cool you guys do
0: that. Well, it's fun. You know what yeah, I mean. I it's it feels such it, a
1: wonderful cause for kids. You know. Yeah,
0: I was also very fortunate to have a good holiday season, and my birthday is December eighteenth, so I have a good time this time of year. But I know other people are not as fortunate sometimes, oh, yeah, so I absolutely. like to be able to, you know, have have them enjoy it as much as I do. Yeah. <laughs> can <laughs> so, imagine a you know, Christmas without getting gifts or some kind of when you're
1: young especially oh definitely a little higher
0: yeah yeah these you <laughs> gotta
1: eat I these so mics there you <laughs> go. there we go <laughs> that's better <laughs> there we go okay so you'd like me to talk into this thing
0: yeah <laughs> yes all right absolutely all right so tim uh, with all your experience in s- the studio and on the stage and on the road and dealing with all of the personalities involved in the type of work that you did as a drummer and that you're still doing mm-hmm. now um let's talk about some of like the essential skills for doing the gig now obviously you've got to be able to play that's first yeah but like what what's a little deeper than that what what would you what would you say is crucial to especially younger drummers or drummers that are kind of struggling with that situation
1: i think it's just a really important thing i'm sure you probably guys agree with this is learning to hang with people um You know, you're expected to play. That's the bottom line. you got to do whatever the gig does. You know, you wouldn't be showing up for it if you weren't equipped to do the gig. Right. Unless your parents are really famous or something.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that does happen. (laughs) Yes.
1: But I think the thing is you have to hang with these people, and you also have to give, especially as a drummer, the idea to them of your confidence as a player Mm. because that's so much of what our job is, you know, is to is to be confident and rule the band. That's what we do back there. It's mm-hmm. the old adage that you've heard a thousand times, which is a, a great drummer in a band makes a great band. And you have a band with a bad drummer, you have a bad band. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's just without a grooving from the back, it, it doesn't do much. Right. But I, you know, back to your question, I think it's just learning to really get along, not just get along with people, but have, be, have the kind of personality people want to be around, mm-hmm. to some degree at least. Because you have to spend so much time with them. Yes. You know, even if you're, you know, whenever I would travel, and luckily I never had to share hotel rooms and stuff, which I know people do. Um, and I never really wanted to because I always loved having that time, you know, where you could kind of go, oh, God, I can be rid of these guys for a minute. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I've had some money, some actually in my lifetime, my most exciting moments, uh, well, most, some of my most exciting moments, I remember from hanging with a band on the, out on the road, and not necessarily on stage. You know, I mean, having great shows. I mean, that's always the most memorable of things in life is the great times you had playing. Totally. But I remember sitting in Portland doing a gig a few years ago with the band... And the night before we performed, we went to this really fantastic restaurant, and we sat in there, we were talking, having some wine, and it started to lightly snow, and I'll still remember it. You know, there's times, I remember being in uh, New Orleans at a restaurant with a band and and just laughing and... Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm drinking wine <laughs>
0: there seems to be a pattern here of fun and wine and yeah. i'm not sure how that goes but yeah that that was my experience too when i finally started touring too with my original band cobra venom uh the times that we spent like hanging out in the hotel rooms and you know going to the restaurants and that were some of the more memorable parts of the tour we love the playing obviously Oh yeah of course of know, course but I, one of the things that I was able to do with those dudes is uh, there was a little cultural diffusion when we went to Vegas and they had a Dunkin' Donuts and I was like, we've got to go to Dunkin' Donuts and there were three Californians. They'd known about it. One, I think one of them had had it a couple of times, but I don't the know other if two were like, a Dunkin' Donuts, isn't it? I terrible? love Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, yeah. The coffee's— uh, but. We, it was became the mission of the two guys that weren't sleeping to go out and get the donuts, so <laughs> it was fun. It was interesting, too, because we got to explore the area, and I guess, like, the, the app that we had took us away from the strip and away from all the stuff into, like, the suburbs of Vegas. And we're like... Oh, weird. It looks it looks like a movie soundstage. Like, it's so weird looking out in I that know. part of
1: Las Vegas. I have a lot of friends who live out there now, and uh, yeah. it's amazing how they've built these little communities. Totally. With these massive McMansion-style houses. It's pretty cool, and and you can know, yeah. get one for couple hundred thousand bucks, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, which is, you know, if you're back in Cleveland, it's probably expensive, but here, it, For Los cheap. Angeles, it's like, wow, <laughs> <No, yeah, laughs> exactly. like, I'm there.
0: You can a get a, a lot of musicians have relocated to Vegas for exactly that reason.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and there's work there. You know, I know yeah. uh, a couple of people that moved there recently because they were having a bit of a tough time in L.A., but they moved to Vegas and started working like crazy, so... Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, legit players that could, you know, really read and, and do that thing so they could pick up a lot of those kind of gigs that are right. out there. And so, there's a
2: lot of that kind of gig yeah. work in Vegas. And that's a
1: great gig. I mean, mm-hmm. those gigs are fantastic. You get to play all the time, and you get paid, and you get
0: benefits. and you know, So that's cool. another essential skill right there is the reading. That's something that gets overlooked, I think, it in is. a lot of cases.
1: You know, it's a funny thing, and I don't know, if, again, maybe, Charlie, if you'd agree with this because you were in the studio all the time seeing this. But I find when I was younger, and I don't want to denigrate anything that I did when I was young, but, you know, it was so important to play. A multitude of styles, well, and to really be able to read, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad I can read, that I'm a good reader, and I've used. It's really helped me a million times, but I would have to say, as the years have went by, because of technology, there's, I find it's less and less, (coughs) you know. Yeah, because it's they can send you the material you know, so easily you just send, you know, oh, here, let me send you the record over the internet and you just, <coughs> you listen to it. And, you know, I make my own charts, which I guess, you know, Dan, that would be a good answer, even if they don't equip you with charts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost always have notes, you know, when I'm playing with a group. Because, you know, if you play with a bunch of different people um, or if you just haven't played with those people in a long time, the notes get you through the tunes. So I guess that's yeah. reading in a sense. And by being a good... That's transcription, you know, too, which is, is part of the reading, yeah, uh, you know, it is, and you scale. have to be able to dictate you're right, you know reading is a is a valuable tool. I just find that I see a lot of really great young drummers who can't read that are hella good, mm. they just really good and equipped to to
2: do the gigs, yeah. so. I think it depends on what you're doing too, yeah, you know, if you're doing movie scores and that sort of thing, there's probably oh, a lot more read. of that, but in uh, there's hardly ever charts on these sessions here. Yeah, Maybe and I find there used to be 15 percent d- of the time
1: you get through them so fast in the old days. But I mean, it's significantly changed in the fa- when I was young and doing a lot of records. It was like 300 bucks an hour to be in the studio, 250 bucks an hour, and that was in the late 70s and early 80s, and then through the 80s, and it got even more expensive because budgets got so large, you know. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to do that now. You know, no. you can. Mm-hmm. You can get a place for you know thousand bucks a day and 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 all the trimmings, you know. So the time, the, the thing about drumming you always was it takes so much time. It's so difficult, and and it takes it's so expensive. Yeah, because of the fact it takes so much time. You have to mm-hmm. set all that stuff up. So I wonder if that's had some effect on the fact that we're not in quite so much of a hurry to get through things. I find that we're not. When I was young, you had to really just
0: because time was stuff. money, and you oh, had to get it done. It was, yeah.
1: you know, and you were paying a bunch of session guys to do it. And so it was a whole room full of guys getting well paid, mm-hmm. and uh, then you're paying a fortune for the studio. So but that's what that allowed
2: you to get done that fast, though. What's when that? you had the guys in the room that were that good, true. You know, and and things were a lot more play with people that good, and there were a lot more thought out from the beginning. Whoever yeah. the producer, the writers, where things came in, there was an idea, there was a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, true. whether it would be sounds or ultimate goal, that sort of thing. Right, so way more planning.
1: And one thing that changed a great deal, too, I think, because of technology is um, certainly because of technology is once we went to digital, then we could easily punch drums. Mm -hmm. And that really expedited things because before, I mean, again, when I was young, back when Dirt was being created (laughs) – You had to get all the way through the. T- you you weren't going to go punch anything in, especially if it was cymbals, because you could. Oh yeah. There's oh no yeah. way you could punch anything around there. So you might be able to make a cut in the middle and take pieces, but you couldn't chop fills all over the place. I mean, maybe some master editors did, but mm-hmm. then when digital came, suddenly you could just do songs in pieces mm-hmm. and pieces, uh, and and then we could also play last. You know, that was the other thing that I really did enjoy mm. about recording later is that you could put the drums on last. Yeah, because back in the day, it was drums first for everything. It was. And sometimes you hear the records back and go, wow, I never would have played that had I (laughs) known what that was going to be. I remember doing things sometimes by myself with an idea how the song went, just the music and playing it down, and then the producer going, okay, that sounds great. And then you hear it later when he had no idea it was going to be that. Mm. Didn't know what the vocals were going to be, so you're just trying to play in the parts that you hoped would be the... You know, the make the most sense as far as where they were in the tune, and sometimes it was great, and sometimes it wasn't. This great.
0: <laughs>
1: yes, it was always great, man. Everything.
0: It's like, but you were always great, right? Yeah, that's right. I was always great. <laughs> Your performances were always, always spot on, always clean great. fills. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that was me, but you know that's not true. <laughs> as this Charlie. But I
1: think that's a big thing, you know, with nowadays. I mean, people, uh, the multi-stylist thing is important, especially like you say, Charlie. If you're doing legitimate stuff like films, you know, doing movies and, and such, uh, a lot of television stuff, then generally I think you have to read a lot more. You know, right. and you're on the real different kind of time constraints because it's expensive. And also film, and movies, television, they still pay, Yeah, you know, well. When, or,
0: I, when I get called for things, too, um, in a lot of cases, like the last session I did and one I have coming up, Um, I'll get asked to play drums for someone who just doesn't have the time or they're not here in town, so they'll send me whatever MP3s there are of the music or sometimes the Logic Session if I'm lucky. So the fact that I have the stuff ahead of time and I can make a chart for this is tremendously helpful. Now, sometimes they'll have an idea for drums and they'll have something programmed or they'll take, give me a song as a reference, but the fact that I have the training to actually go through the tune myself and figure out parts, yeah, it definitely makes the whole thing smoother. I can do demos for them, and now, because we live in this amazing era, I can record a little something in the studio and send it to them where I can program something that's going to be similar to what I play, and then by the time we actually have the session, I'm rehearsed because I've been practicing with that track, Absolutely. and I've been writing my own part, and when I get in there, it's like one, two, three. You know? And See, that so. is
1: a big difference I think today. Why you, One reason you don't have to read and another reason is you really know the tune i i mean i used to do whole albums in a day and we'd sometimes run the song down once or twice and go yeah okay and just move on and, and get a 15 songs done in a day mm. um, 15 wow yeah we could run through a lot of tunes in a day so because we just put the charts up you know we'd do a quick run through of any parts in the chart that look funny mm-hmm. and then we put the tune down a couple of times and generally we'd get something
2: you know I did that's a lot awesome. of library work that way. Right. They'd come in with a book of charts, and you'd be doing, like, three or four days in a row, 15 to 18 songs. Mm. Yeah. And it was just boom, boom. It's a few takes a piece, just like that. Yeah. Wow. But, you
1: we, know, you never get it under your belt in the same no. way. You know, that's I, we've talked about this a great deal, Charlie, is I'm a huge fan of band drummers, guys that play for bands. Yeah. Because they often are only, you know, often they're one-dimensional. And that's, I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just what it is because they've gotten to play in one band for a long time. Mm -hmm. But that, what might sound like something derogatory, which it isn't, isn't to me is the beautiful thing is as a personality, you've learned to play the music one your way. And you play with a group of people that love what you do or you wouldn't be in the band. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a really cool thing that happens. That's why, you know, most of the modern drummer magazines, that still exist, right? Oh, yeah. That's still out there. Um, they're out there. The ones that always seem to sell are the ones that have the famous, you know, are big rock guys on the covers. Right. More so than than not because, you know, John Bonham was amazing because he was in Zeppelin. You yeah. know, and, and he was amazing. But mm-hmm. he got to really focus his his best thing on one style of music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, inside that style, of course, they played multiple styles to some degree. But it was still Zeppelin. You know? Yeah, totally. And he, all the way through, he played the same stuff. It was the same amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, versus a guy, let's say, like Vinny, who is one of my... Uh, Vinny Cagliuta is one of my very favorite drummers. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, he and he's a great band drummer but you know i think you remember the Alex Van Halen's more mm. you know cuz they just That's have one of my like, all-time favorites for sure oh yeah alex, he, i'm a huge fan of alex and he's an unusual player you Yeah. Know? so would he been would he have been a successful player without van halen cuz he's such an unusual player mm. hard to know you can't be that unusual and make a lot of records yeah. you know because that's not what people are generally you know, expecting Matt Chamberlain probably be one of the ones that is the most out player. Yeah, does right. different yep. things. You know, and he to me is the really the the premier session drummer in the fact that he brings a lot of personality to the to the recording. I think you could say
2: so. Keltner's kind of like that yeah, too. Yeah, Keltner, that's right. Mm. Good
1: point. Yeah, Keltner's very much like that. And he's an unusual from my understanding of talking, I don't know, I wish I did, but um, from talking to people in studios that I was recording that he was just there, mm-hmm. that often goes about things in a real unorthodox ways because he's allowed to, and he makes those wonderful recordings. And that Bill Frizzell stuff and things that he's played on is absolutely fantastic. He did
0: some great stuff with Fiona Apple, too. Both yeah. of oh, oh, yeah. those drummers did, yeah, actually. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, I forgot drummers.
1: about yep. that stuff. That yeah. was really good.
0: Yeah, one one thing. Uh, most of my drumming career has been as a band drummer. I'm usually in a band for you know quite some time, and I can, would get a little bit of work here and there, or I'd collaborate yeah. here and there. But I, I would really be part of whatever group it was. You know, in the writing process, creative process, even some of the business stuff. Something that really was valuable to me about learning other styles, and by getting the music education that I have. Is that it actually made my playing of the styles that I liked even better. Much better. Like when I moved here, I I, I did not have any intention of playing more hardcore and metal and hard rock drums. I was actually looking to expand and be something very different, but. the more I did other styles and I learned, you know, I got deeper into jazz and deeper into blues and Latin and all this. It was like, all this is doing is making me want to play my metal stuff like more and add stuff, you know, things that I wasn't doing with that style before. And I think that's what helped me really both enjoy the bands that I was in as the drummer in the band. And I was able to bring something to it other than speed and volume, which is the two things that every metal drummer has. Like speed and volume, what else do you have? Like you need to, and because I had all these other influences and styles, on my education, I had a bigger toolbox to work with. Yeah, I think. And you it know. makes, you know, the, all the things
1: about learning, you know, we can look at it selfishly. Sometimes people really stay, oh, I don't want to do that. It'll ruin my playing or something. But, mm-hmm. you know, selfishly, the more I know about the drums and the more I know about music, the more fun it is. You oh, know, yeah. The mm-hmm. more you learn, the suddenly the things you can do and just the things you understand, I think, and the things that maybe I used to think were really important, Um about playing, I don't find to be as important. You yeah. Know? I find the... I like any drummer that can move me when I hear it. You know, I, of all... Sometimes I like non-drummers that play the drums. You know, very much... A, um, you know, you hear guys that, that can just... They can play a couple beats. You know, I saw a, th- a clip on Facebook the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw a clip of McCartney playing the drums.
0: Oh, that! Yeah, I saw sweet, that clip, man. He was awesome. It's
1: awesome. It's sweet. He's got the Ringo thing going like crazy. And yeah. It's just, I was like, okay. Did, now, did I, you see I, the I little story that
0: record? went with that video? No, I about didn't. how. Um, Somebody asked John Lennon once if Ringo was the best drummer in the world. He goes, He's not even the best drummer in the band. No, not just
1: <laughs> luckily. I uh, being a big, big, huge Beatle guy, that's uh, actually an untruth. Uh, it's uh, a wives' tale, <laughs> but it was mean. So I know uh, he's he, Ringo knows, fan. he knows yeah. everything about
0: the Beatles. Uh, yeah. I, I just thought it was <laughs> a funny <laughs> wisecrack. It is a funny
1: wisecrack. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I do
0: think Ringo gets a bit of a bum rap, but when you're in uh, a band with those three, it's kind of like, All right, hard. <laughs> but he was you know. a
1: complete timekeeper, that guy. I mean, absolutely, he invented the modern day rock drumming with the open high hi-hat nobody'd done that before
0: well even like you know, songs like uh, come together and um tickets to ride like there are so many interesting things that he did with yeah. those grooves oh yeah you know
1: and even that whole weird thing without the tea towels he'd put on the tom-toms to give him that sound and um it really it was that open hi-hat that made such a difference you know oh yeah because it it really filled in all the you know, it was this wonderful white noise that filled in all the holes of whatever wasn't happening inside the band. You know, those early totally days, yeah. the, um, it was really kind of gave it a cohesiveness, I think, that you would have had with the whatever anybody else was doing. I mean, jazz, drums were pretty jazzy still back yeah, in those days. very much so. Tom-toms were tuned high, and people closed the hi-hat up real tight, and yeah. you know, you didn't hear that whooshy white noise sound. I don't know where he got that from, and it's funny, and I've I've uh, studied the Beatles a great deal but I've never really found where that came from how mm-hmm. he invented that sound or, or maybe he stole it from somebody else and just made it famous.
0: So maybe that's another essential skill I would say is that as a drummer you need to have your own creative approach. I mean that has certainly helped me tremendously. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, like I agree. A lot of people can get in there and play time. A lot of people can get in mm-hmm. there and and keep, you know, lay something down for the band, but I think having your own discernible playing character is essential as well.
1: You know. Yeah, I think it. Well, I don't know if it's essential, to, in my opinion, but it's certainly important. I mean, I know a lot of guys that are, don't have any real, uh, you know, don't bring a lot to the show in that, in that respect that do quite well, you know, mm-hmm. making records because they're just great at laying down a, a groove and it's whatever is expected. But, but if
0: you're but, playing with a band and you're like touring you know, and yeah, hanging with people, I feel like you need a little bit of a something. I think
2: that's become a little less and less, though. That's one area where I think technology has hurt things. Thanks. Yeah, because so much stuff that is a personality, the drummers or bass player, whoever, actually the entire freaking band, it gets fixed. Oh no, you're right. And That's it gets true. taken out. So there's so much modern music now that you're not hearing the band. Yeah. You're hearing it the band plus the editor.
0: Yeah, the production thing is definitely different now. It's a little harder to yeah. stand out that way. That was one place Zeppelin where I love the Bond Blue Fighters.
1: You know, they would have fixed all that now. Yeah. You know, the fills kinda of slow down a little bit in this wonderful way and well, they'll oh, Stevie Wonder the stuff. Oh, yeah, all the Stevie oh. Wonder, all the Motown stuff, they'd fix all of it. Even Iron Maiden's got mistakes in it, Oh yeah. <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> you know? I knew we'd love them. I mean, that's the thing about... Oh, yeah. We often really enjoy those little blips in there, you know, the the little thing that's minorly out of tune or the fill that slows down that gives it real impact going back in. You know, we've so... You know, even clicks changed that a great deal when I was young, when suddenly everything was done with a click. Yeah. Um... Because it didn't breathe anymore, and I understand editing. Of course, you have to use clicks, and it's just you don't have to. But for most music, we do because it's just easy to edit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there is something wonderful like about the old police stuff when that stuff was just rushed like crazy, and yeah. it was great. I mean, it made the music so exciting to to have those tempos change. I mean, a huge example is Pink Floyd and the uh, Money, which is, you know, a classic song. That whole um, solo section, it rushes. It must be f- 10 ticks. You know, it's incredible. Oh, yeah. So much that you have to put the brakes on when the, when he comes back to the last verse. It's like... Rrr.
2: Well, Asia, heat of the moment.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that, that song, in t- the center, of it's
2: a whole different song almost. Yeah. It's, yeah.
0: We had Bill Matoyer in here, who was the producer and engineer for Metal Blade for many years. So oh, he did, yeah. like, Armored Saint and Trouble and, like, the first couple of Slayer albums. And he was like, there was no click. <laughs> you just let it rip. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know. And that's what gives
1: those those records a real... You real know, character. A, f- a real character, You're exactly right. Yeah. So we lost that. And then when we... I mean, all the technology stuff, it brings so many great things. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, what happens, it seems, with humans is... We always throw away the old when we get the new. Mm. So th- we do leave some really cool things behind. And some of that is allowing the, the drums to be off the grid. You right. Know? I, I think I hate to see that gone because it is, it makes drummers not have as much personality. They're just not able to because everything is put to the grid. A lot but of they it also. Still do other, sorry, Richard, you know, they okay. can still do other things. You, you know, like you say, there's other elements they can bring, which is writing interesting drum parts for the music and um so even if it's gritted out you still can bring wonderful ideas. You just may
0: not be able to change the flow of things to much degree. I think a lot also depends on the artist in question and how much power they have over the situation. Because if you're a signed artist and there's a lot of money behind your record, everything's going to be to clicks and it's going to be very produced and very controlled. Whereas if you're dealing with a band where there's maybe not the biggest budget, but they might go, you know what, do something that's going to sell, figure it out. You know, yeah. some bands, like especially in the genre that I like the most, didn't even bother with the click. They're like, yeah, just go for it. <laughs> yeah, <I> see, <laughs> it all it's wonderful. It all, it all depends, really. I mean, it's like the old Metallica stuff without a click, and then it was done with the click. It was
1: a whole different a thing. whole different vibe. You know, yeah. and it, I'm not going to say which one is better or worse. They're ne- neither one, but it was a whole different thing. Oh, yeah, for sure, absolutely. You know, it, it was a
2: completely different band. <laughs> There's a couple, ri- speaking of Metallica, right mm. now on tape-op. .com and on reverb.com there's a couple really good articles with Bob Rock. Oh
1: yeah, talking about, about those yeah. Uh,
2: and both of both articles cover a little bit different things or both interviews. So mm-hmm. if you go to read both of them there's some really cool little insights oh, I'll have to, to see that. Is it in the ha- magazine too or just online? Uh, I don't know. My subscription ran out. i got to renew it. Oh, I just yeah. read it online this morning. Yeah, it's got the new one. And then nice. Reverb has had some good... Reverb.com's had some good ones I lately, one of had. them I was Bob Rock. I buy there, but yeah. I
1: didn't, they have articles? Oh, tons. Oh, yeah, that's part of yeah. what they do.
2: Yeah. Oh, I never even yeah. noticed it. I just the, go there to the buy The Bob gear. Rock stuff is interesting because the he got the Metallica gig because of the drum sounds of Dr. Feelgood. Yep. That's how uh. they hired him. And Dr. Feelgood, when that came out, he said... That's right when Tommy Lee was getting into hip hop and all that stuff. So yeah. he kept he was Bob Rock said Tommy was just pushing me to make everything fatter, bigger, more bottom end. Mm-hmm. So his he's like the word became weight. Everything had to have more weight, weight. to it. So so Bob Rock
1: actually learned something from Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee, Lee yep. Mm, Interesting. And Tommy was
2: really a part of that process too. Yeah. And then that's what got him the Metallica gig. They heard that and they're like, "We want this guy." It's too bad that record didn't Mm. sell. (laughs) (laughs) Only five or six people bought that one. Yeah,
1: it's too bad. Too bad when you get a flop like the Black Album. Yeah. That'll never do
2: anything. No. There's none more black. None (laughs) more black.
1: (laughs) Well, Charlie, I'd be interested to ask you because you see, uh, what do you see in the changes in the way in the way sessions are handled now? Are people in a hurry?
2: Yes. Okay, so they're still in a big hurry. Oh, my Lord. Really? Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I get people coming, yeah, we need to come in and do drums on a couple tunes. We only need like an hour, hour and a half. (laughs) Songs are three minutes long. (laughs) Yeah. That's not going to happen. So so just enough
1: time to (laughs) set the drums up and not get any sounds. But I I think it's
2: the biggest thing that I've seen is the lack of pre-production, the lack of thinking about what your sound is or what you want it to be. Not that you have to know everything, but... There's just a plan. You come in and you start getting sounds. You go, oh, that sounds good, but does it sound right? Now, is that you know? a,
0: a young or inexperienced musician thing, or is that everybody's I'm doing seeing that? I've
2: seen it uh, a lot. Wow. I mean, so... the older guys obviously do m- as much pre-production as they can. The ones that have been doing it for a long time still. Right, but right. So, well, I know the young, a lot of them, not everybody, but I would say the majority. You know, There's maybe a couple rehearsals, but it's just to try to learn parts or something. It's not paying attention to... Overall arrangements. It's not paying attention to, okay, what's the vibe of this tune? What are we trying to go for? Right. I mean, there's elements in, in some of the bands, like the drummer, like Eli Cherry, he's a great drummer who's worked here a bunch in the last year, and he's brought in several different projects, and he's always been one of the few that would come in and go, okay, here's what we're looking for sound wise. Oh, nice. Like, so, and it's like, great, now I can map this out. Totally. But that's missing a lot. You the- start talking about references, and people send me you know, an album, and I'm going, okay, wait, you just sent me...
0: Recording You know, and, and making records is a different skill, and I think a lot of bands think that you just, you know, sit up some mics and here we go, and right. it's, it's not yeah. quite that. I mean, I was guilty of that for sure. Like, mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of learning to do about how to play drums in this environment. Like, yeah. I had played a lot of live drums, but before I moved here, I had been in the studio a couple of times, but, you know, I was oh, always yeah. the guy who wanted to get the record done and get out there and play more, but then as I learned what actually goes into all this, I was like... Oh, you really got to know every. You got to, like, set the mics up in the right place and, yeah. you know. But then you got to know what you're going
2: for as well. Because, you yeah. know, if
0: you're going for bottom, but you set up your fusion
2: drum set, you know, <laughs> you you're your 20 tongue. by 18, 10, 12, 14, <laughs> and too low, it <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. and yeah. I, That happens a lot. And after the yeah, fact, you're yeah, like, you know, hey, I know, you know, can you make my s- guitar sound like uh, a Les Paul, but you recorded it with a telly? Mm-hmm. No, you should probably should have used your Les Paul when we did that, you know?
0: Yeah. So well you there's know a it's lot interesting to
1: mention that about guitar players. And a good thing I think for drummers, Dan, is that they're really short on is like the sound of things. Mm. I'm, I'm sure we all experience I remember when I first went to the studio, I think I was fourteen or yeah, fourteen or fifteen. I'm sure the drums sounded terrible. I hear I still have the old tracks. And they, yeah, they sound terrible. <laughs> you know, I didn't really know have how to get sounds. I learned that when I came here yeah. um to LA and, and I got lucky and started doing sessions pretty much right away. And from doing those get got some ideas actually from the engineers. I remember when I first did a session, I took a lesson with a, a really famous, wonderful drummer Ralph Humphrey. I you sure you oh, guys yeah. know him. And, um... I think
0: he's got the Dancing with the Stars gig, or at least he did for a while. He did.
1: Now they have a different band on there, a smaller, kind of like a combo. They got rid of the orchestra. But, um... He gave me some lessons on how to tune, and they were incredibly effective. I mean, he was really, he understands that stuff well. Mm. And I practiced a great deal on how to tune. You know, tuning's an art, tuning the drums oh, yeah. well. Oh, yeah. So, as a matter of fact, you know, in the old days, we'd hire people to come in and do it. Just, you know, that's what they did. They came and tune drums. Mm. And we still do when possible because... I hate tuning drums. <laughs> I know. It's also yeah. just
2: nice to have someone that's so good at you can go. Here's what I need, and is. they go. Oh yeah, got you. Yeah. I think um, I'm
1: pretty good at tuning, but it makes me nervous because every once in a while you don't get it. Yeah. You know, and you have end up with a tom tom that just sounds like crap, and you're trying to pretend like you're
2: it's good. And you're that's not why I keep it. adding more drums because I'm pretty good at tuning but i'm slow <laughs> so just i find oh this kit up. sounds great that way hey let's just use a different kit and just you know i got five kits tuned up yeah. Yeti he says on here said this is a good point recording to tape made bands prepare and rehearse more yeah. Which goes yeah. back to what you said earlier, because it wasn't as easy to change or fix things. No, it wasn't. No, as because the
0: clock was ticking and the budget was like, you have this much time. It's It, it brings a little different element of preparation. And I, a
1: real lack of ability to punch. I mean, I think for drums, that was a, hu- a huge deal. It was very difficult to punch drums. I mean, yeah. again, people did it, of course, all the time. But you could hear it. Most of the time. Yeah. You know, you can hear it. Then it uh, was just bury it with other things so you couldn't really make it out too much. Oh. But
0: you get away with murder with yeah. some of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. The and digital rem- ended all that. One, one of my old classmates just checked in. Remy goes, Slayer <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Remy. Thank you for watching. There's another <laughs> yeah. good comment here. Somebody said, uh,
2: Preparation for sessions? Nah. We'll just <laughs> do it in post. <laughs>
1: That's exactly the thought though. It That's really awesome. is. We'll fix it in the mix. But you <laughs> oh can't fix it, you know, you can't fix a turd no. though. That's the problem. No. The
2: thing is you can take a lot of vibe out of it too, what of what you really wanted when you start fixing everything. Yeah. You know, oh, great. I wanted a 26-inch kick, and we used an 18, so now I'll just layer that sample and layer this sample, and then the next thing you know... It
0: doesn't even sound like a band anymore. Right, yeah. But, you know,
1: it's I don't know about you guys, but I fall prey to it, too. When I'm home editing drums, you know, uh, if I fix one thing, then I fix ten things. Yeah. it's like, oh, uh, that one snare is kind of wacky, so maybe I'll just move it over. And then I fix five more. I've gotten pretty good at a stopping it's stopping yeah. yeah and i'm not
2: against samples or stuff i rarely use them mm-hmm. yeah. but it's like sometimes there's a weight or there's something you need to support that it works better and cleaner than an eq yeah. or something mm-hmm. like say okay great layer that sucker stuff up in there but I've got, it's taken some practice, but now I've, I've gotten down to where if it's only need to fix one or two things and the rest is great, you do it. Just leave it and low. then you got to listen in context, because, like, the snare thing, when you solo up drums, you'll hear every inconsistency. Yeah, yeah. You know, the backbeat's slightly changing, but once you layer the bass, maybe there's a couple of guitar parts, maybe there's a vocal, possibly a keyboard, yeah. and all of a sudden, some of those inconsistencies get get eaten up by the song and also
1: sometimes those you know back to the thing we initially said sometimes mm-hmm. those inconsistencies are really cool like yeah yeah you, you know charlie and i worked together on tita Hutchison's record um what was it called hello love yeah and you know there's there's i had to put the drums on last
2: and yeah two of the songs we did drums yeah in the middle of the mixing process yeah
1: we went and we decided they needed drums all of a sudden and put some drums on them and um, some of the little parts where the some things pulled back when i first charlie's like no it's good i'm like no it's not i think it pulls back a little bit and then we heard him in the mix and it was like oh i guess that's because the music pulls back a little there mm. so you know you start soloing things you get in trouble because yeah. suddenly you think context oh, the drums aren't really perfect there and then you realize oh okay maybe it was cool and i actually you know Responded yeah. to the music, or, or
0: I just screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the it's things. I, my fault. <laughs> one of the things that got me through this process, I, I think, since the last time I saw you, I actually put a solo record out of all my own stuff. Called, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's called Conflict One Zero. Do and, you have a copy for me? Uh, it's uh, just digital only. I'll send you a link. <laughs> oh, old. <laughs> I, I need a copy. Yeah, I got to make those eventually, but it'll be fun. Actually, I, I'd love to hear it. I had to. I had to learn how to do a lot of things to make so that happen. So you wrote happen. all the material too. I wrote everything. I programmed everything. It's all. It's very digital. It's like a little industrial, a little heavy metal, a little video game-ish, like little movie soundtrack I want to hear so, it, dude. That sounds cool. Yeah. So I had to sit there and figure out how to do all this. I asked Charlie a shit ton of questions about this as we are going along. Luckily, my my extra help over here. But I got to the point where I would tweak this and tweak that and change this and change. And I got to the point where, like, this is not better anymore. This is just different. Yeah. Like, you have to find where it stops being better and just starts being different. You have to know when to
2: abandon the mix, it'll never be done, so it has to be abandoned.
1: Totally. Yeah. That's if I'm a guy that's been sitting on the same songs for about 10 years. That, that's because so.
2: you give yourself no deadlines. That's, <laughs> that's that, too. You know,
1: at some point Plus it's I done. I always feel like I can make them better. It's like, know, oh. I
0: definitely pushed my deadline back a yeah. bunch of times. Tim, <laughs> Tim George Lucas Petterson. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just put
1: one more guitar down, i will be great.
0: Yeah, let's add one more sample here. <laughs> oh, the snare drum's almost perfect. <laughs> I, but you end up having to talk yourself out of this. At least I did, because I'm there like... This does not matter at all. And especially when you're listening to it for the bazillionth time, you know, I got to the point where I'm like, okay, does it sound okay in the car? Okay. It sounds okay in the speakers. It sounds okay in the headphones. I'm tired of this. We're good. That's when it was finished.
1: And, you know, for me, because Charlie's had to deal with me with this, I'm a multi-instrumentalist, so I play guitar and I play bass. Oh, nice. And, um... So I do the same thing with all of them. I'm always trying to make sure, you know, of the different parts, and I'm trying to make it my mind, and making up my mind about things isn't my forte, I'm afraid. So when we do guitars and such, it takes some time mm-hmm. to, just to get... I'm really particular about sounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... um so it takes time to get those things doing. And you're right, making those decisions and finally saying, Okay, that's enough. Yeah. You know, usually for me <laughs> it's when my fingers won't move anymore. <laughs> but Charlie would like to stop it start yeah, stop it a long time before that. But.
0: I'm definitely not as picky about the other instruments. Like for the guitar parts that I laid down and the uh the keyboard stuff, I was like, ah, That's good enough. But like with the drums, I'm there like nitpicking the shit. <laughs> I'm the opposite, isn't it funny? I do the drums and I nitpick them, of course. Yeah. But I'm more interested in
1: the other interest in the other parts, may maybe because I've done them less. That's um, part of it. part of my career. I I'm think. sure that's part of it. Yeah. I
0: actually I'm working on the follow up to this now, and I'm digging in a little harder with the other elements, and it's cool. It's a lot of fun. It is fun, isn't
1: it? I mean, I just I played the drums longer than alive, so it's you know it's a, it, it becomes sort of a. You've just done it such a long time. Then.
2: Yeah. But it's also your perception of what the drums are. For you, it's a supportive thing. So Absolutely. you get it down, it's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's your first instrument. So even though you're picky, it goes faster, and then you get into all the other stuff. That's true. I like sloppy. Yeah. yeah. I like movement. I like things to be a little odd, a little off, because that, that's, all my, that's why I like early metal. All that early Slayer shit's the best ever. Yeah. Ever since then, it's all gone downhill. A lot of great bands, but there's just something about that stuff that just makes you want to fucking beat somebody up or drive too fast on the free. It's just, it just, it has that element yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. Well, there is that perfection,
1: I think, that Dan's talking about. I think when you start perfecting that stuff, it starts to sound like, you know, especially when you get all the triggering going, it starts to sound like machines. Yeah. Because you know? sometimes I That's... listen to things, and, and my son is a huge metal fan. Oh, yeah. And... Um, He'll play me things, and I'll say, it's, it's a machine. He goes, no, oh, that's a guy. Mm. And, 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 it, and it is a guy really playing, but everything has been sampled and repaired, and it's all so perfect that he, you know, it's almost he was well programmed it. I mm. mean, of course, playing it probably took a lot less time than it would have to programmed it. But
2: Right. That's, um, yeah, that's always been my experience.
0: Yeah,
1: because
2: programming <laughs> is slow
1: and to do that kind it, of stuff. It's very meticulous. Oof. Yeah. For metal stuff, man, because you have to play so many intricate parts, it's... Yeah, but again, it becomes one of those,
0: on. all right, is this done, or do I let it go, or am true. I going to beat this to death? Right, like, right. That, that gets into that especially. Like, yeah. When I did uh, my first record with Cobra Venom, Extinction Reality, I definitely beat the parts to death. Now, the good news is that they came out well, but yeah. I got real stuck on one song and got so frustrated. And it, At the end of the day, like looking back on it now, I can laugh, but it was like miserable. Like I threw my headphones, and I like stormed out of the room at one point because <laughs> I was so frustrated with myself. I did that in the you studio.
2: Like, same thing. I yeah. punched the studio wall, though. Oh, it won. Oh, I still have a bump man. here from it. Ouch. Same thing. It was one of the easier ones. All the other stuff I'd prepared all over and over. Got frustrated. It was like 4 in the morning recording. Got up, tossed the headphones. Yeah. Didn't think. Hand went flying through the air and before landed. I could think. Oh. Well, Unfortunately, the most- there was a very I mean, thick studio wall there.
1: <laughs> when you work as hard as we do on doing something, doing one thing you know, for a long time, mm. it's very frustrating when it goes Poorly. Yes. If it doesn't go great, it's fine. But when it goes really, you know, we all play. I mean, maybe we don't all... But sometimes I play badly. Something that made me feel better. I never have. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should. Well, I didn't mean
2: badly. Except for those (laughs) times you kicked me off the stage. Other than that, I've been a genius.
0: Something that made me feel better about that particular experience that I had and of several others before that. Uh, I was reading about um, an article with Butch Vig about making Nevermind, like on the 20th 20th or 25th anniversary of the record, whatever Mm it was. And they were talking about how In Bloom drove Dave Grohl completely insane. Like just because, trying to get the thing down? Yeah, like he was able to play through almost all the tunes, but that song, for some reason, he just he wasn't getting the, the fills right and he was losing the groove and it's got that laid back that oh, yeah. like he would just struggle with that. He'd either start playing too fast or he'd play too slow, or it would be inconsistent. And they were like, that was the most brutal song ever to get through on that record. And he goes, and you can hear like, the way that it moves, you can tell that he's uncomfortable, and I never noticed it before, but I always liked that tune. It never occurred to Um. me that anything about it was bad, but being but a so drummer you, and having that thought, level I'm like yeah. now that I listen to it I'm like I can tell this is a little different from the other ones
1: but only after you knew the secret because before that you probably yeah. dug the way it grooves. So yeah, even totally. though it was
0: tight you know, it's, but the fact an that interesting thought it sounds really good and yeah. you know I listened to the song that I struggled with now uh, a song called Cold War Battle and I like the way it sounds and I'm like god I remember hating every second of doing this yeah. but yeah. It's
1: always funny to hear it like five years later, isn't it? Oh, because you don't expect anything from it. I really, I hate my drumming when I first hear it. Oh yeah, and then I really enjoy it when I forget it's me. Totally. But like later on, I can listen and go, oh, that's some really, that's really nice playing. Because it often I find is, I, you know, maybe you guys don't fall prey to this, but what I really want to hear, I only get a certain percentage of it, and mm-hmm. then I'm, then I just. That's just as much of it as I get, you know, in, mm, a, in yeah. a take. You don't get 100% of what you're hoping you're going to uh, get in something often. Now, maybe, I don't know, maybe you guys don't experience that. but
2: No, I definitely have that sometimes. Yeah. Especially when I'm, for me, 9 out of 10 times, if I'm actually tracking, I'm still trying to keep it real. I'm not going to go edit it to death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'll get, you know, maybe 80% of it will be like, oh, yeah, and there'll be a couple spots, eh, whatever. Right. But it, But in the context of things, it still feels all right. Yeah, I let it slide. But yeah, you have
1: to let it go. That's a, the that's a thing. But I hear it in my head always, the whole complete thing. Mm-hmm. So, and it, I can never quite make it as cool as it sounds in my head. Close. Yeah. You know, I can get close, but for some reason I don't, you know, I hear it back and it's like, oh, it's. It's not, you know, I've learned that, that to, wasn't Baccaro enough there or that wasn't this yeah. enough there or something. That,
0: I've learned that w- the recording of whatever music that it is, I have to give it enough room to be its own experience. Like, whatever I hear in my head, I, I will practice the shit out of the songs and make sure I'm ready to go play the session or do the whatever it is. But I also now, after a lot of years of doing this, I'm like, this is going to be different from what I'm thinking it's going to be. I yeah. need to give myself just a little bit of room because I might come up with something better. Because you know, if you get too stuck with it has to be this way, you might actually miss an opportunity. True. That's so a good point. I, I've learned to go, all right, as long as these three things work, I'm cool with a little bit of wiggle room. You know? Well, I don't so. think,
1: I guess for me, I, I'm not talking about the parts themselves. I guess I'm talking about... Whatever I was hoping to convey with it. Oh, okay. uh, that's what I really. mean. So that's more a songwriting like,
0: element then, or a uh, well, it's more the of character. just
1: a, a groove of it, or the just what I expect the drums to convey in a song. I can't put it any better than that, I'm afraid, but okay. Um, it's, yeah, it's not really the parts as much because that part's easy. You know, so you're talking like, about the mm-hmm. vibe of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, okay. and exactly where I want the position of the of the song to be. Um, you know, you have it in your head exactly where it sits, and then there's a lot of other variables that that affect that. Totally, but you know, I'm a <laughs> Charlie can say this. I definitely. Am not a lover of my own
2: playing until some time goes by. So.
0: I, I think <laughs> no. I think a lot of us are in that category. Yeah.
2: it can be weeks after a session oh, before he yeah. finally goes. Yeah, you know that is That's, pretty good. good, man. Like I told you that like minutes uh. after we did. Oh yeah, when I first hear it,
0: I just <laughs> gently.
1: Man, it creeps me out. <laughs> I listened
0: the other night. I put on uh, one of my records that I did in New York before I even came here, and one of the tunes. There's a part that I just fucked up so badly, and it haunted me forever. And I'm listening to. But now like that's really not that bad <laughs> yeah. like, like oh, yeah. I got crazy about this for no reason yeah. it's never oh, yeah. quite as bad as you think it is yeah oh it was the worst thing oh. in the history of recorded music at the time when right. I heard it no, <laughs> right. I've lost
1: sleep over stuff before you know Yeah. but it happens to everybody you know funny you tell a story about uh, I mean you told a story about Nevermind I remember years ago I read about Piccaro and those guys recording Gaucho for Steely Dan and, mm-hmm. and they played the I think it was that song but they played some particular song over and over again and Finally, Fagan and uh, Becker uh, left because they were frustrated. Mm -hmm. And those guys stayed on for hours until they could figure out a way to get it to sound like they are just wanted it to sound. And they did. They got it. You know, the, so when they See, came, that's in the, next the day.
2: definition of pro right there. Absolutely. it's like, not about you. You're it. there to do the job yeah. of whoever's hiring you or you're working for.
1: And that's pro on no. both sides because those you know, Steely Dan guys were such big pros that the pros that worked for them wanted to show them that they could get the parts that they wanted. Right, totally. You know, totally. So, you know it's, a, it's a reciprocal kind of thing. Because sometimes, you know, you, like Charlie just said a few minutes ago, it's frustrating to work for an artist that doesn't know what they want.
2: Oh yes, yeah. You that's know. the hard part.
1: It is very, very difficult for musicians, and um, I think artists sometimes forget um, that they that everybody's trying to get their do the best thing for them. You know, yeah. we are working for them, absolutely. But but if you can convey w- some to some degree what you want from us, we can do even better. You know, yeah. stuff from them. That
2: so. is one area that I can say. And I'm I'm just going to make a general drummer thing here because I know it's not everybody, but it is a large portion of drummers that I get to see here and some of the other places I work is you got to think you they you can't get stuck being a drummer when you're in there trying to make music and just think of your own parts. Oh, no. You oh, have yeah. to pay attention to the song. Does it work? I know you may just put this fill in that you love and you think it's great. But does it work? Is it really the right thing? Does the is the feel right? You have to take yourself away from your instrument, yeah, and almost approach it backwards, like yeah. from the producer artist back back to you.
1: Well, I, w- I think it would be beneficial for any and every drummer to play a melodic instrument. Also, I agree because it just makes them look at it. It just looks everything looks different from the front of the stage. It just looks mm-hmm. different than it does from the back of the stage. And from writing songs and you know playing other instruments and getting those things done, it really makes me understand the role of the drummer, which is even, to me, a more important role than I thought it was when all I thought about was the drums. Mm. But the, we could be so much more musical if we're more musical, you know, mm. so oh, yeah. play a little guitar, pick up the bass, you know, bang out a few chords on the piano, anything. It doesn't mean like you have to pick it up and be great at it, but the melodic instruments are very different from a, from playing the drums. Yeah. You know, it's a very, very different thing. It's I think drumming is the hardest instrument there is because we have the pressure. Of keeping the band together. Mm. Well, so, in you some ways, it's
2: easiest. You can't hide your mistakes. No. So, if you fuck up as a drummer, everybody hears you. You fuck up as a bass player, you oh, could yeah. do anything. <laughs> in a football, even a guitar player, there's so many ways to pass it off. Sure. Just look at the
0: drummer all pissed off. That's what yep. my bass players do. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? I didn't do anything. What are you talking I about? I do that. <laughs> I've done that. Oh, I, I can on see gigs. Minnow doing that totally. He's actually pretty good. When Minnow looks at me, I usually, it's because I deserve it. Oh, <laughs> a, yeah. But, but once in a while, yeah. I'm. He's, like, great mm-hmm. he's a good bass player. <laughs> yeah, he's a great bass player, that guy. Yeah. We have a good time in Cliff we Mall. We all oh, know each other's time. Oh, yeah he in that band? I oh, didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, oh. we, we, were in, we actually started it together. We, uh, we got Hatfield, and then uh, we brought Chris on later. So oh, yeah, it was oh, really, cool. really fun. All right. We've actually cool. kind of started stumbling into the other topic I wanted to talk to you yes. about, which is music education. So a lot of what we're talking about is pretty education-based at this. Yeah. You know? um, so you've, you've taught many, many, many drummers, oh, uh, my. Yeah. and some other musicians too. Yeah. so um, I guess what do you feel like as a teacher now is the most important thing to convey to the musicians that you're instructing?
1: Ooh, that's a big question, Dan. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Um, Glad that's not my question. Yeah, no. <laughs> you don't have something else like what's in bottled water or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Water. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, I think music education, at least I hope it is, has changed a great deal from when um, I was younger and teaching. I started teaching drums when I was 16. Isn't that funny? Oh, nice. I was just a kid at uh, my local music store. But I always loved teaching. And I think for one thing, it's bringing your expertise of what's good. Not what's good, that's a terrible word to use. Mm. What you can help the student improve upon. But it's also, I think, important now that we didn't used to do is really look at the student as an individual and understand what they can do well. Because some guys aren't that good, Mm. but they are really good at something, you know. And to get in the way of a student, or to ruin it for them, I think by being too too divisive, I guess would be the word. Mm-hmm. So I think, and I'm not everybody shouldn't get a trophy. I'm not talking about that by any means. I'm just saying, to, really, nowadays I think we need to, we because we can. You can analyze people's playing and give them feedback on what they're already doing, and that way you can start to help them build. What they already have, you know. And then you've got to teach them the stuff they don't have any idea about. Absolutely, because like you say, that's where we learn to bring back to our music something fresh and new. Yeah. You know, I'm not the king of jazz by any means, but learning to play jazz and playing in jazz bands for several years in college uh, was a big deal. You know, it was a very, very important part of how I attack the drums now, even though I would consider myself a rock and pop
0: player right know, primarily so with the class that i teach at los angeles city college i i teach uh and you know drums for teens and adults beginner and intermediate it's uh chuck silverman's old class uh oh, andrew brown chuck. took over when chuck stopped teaching there and now i have the class Very so cool. um what i try to do especially because it's a continuing ed you know like uh community relations kind of class there's no grades or anything right Pass, oh, is it the, pass fail or anything? No, no. It's just show up and, and play drums with Dan. Really you know, it, It's a great deal on the class too. And like the thing, because it is a like volunteer. You're there on a weekend. There's no grade. You're there because you want to be there. The most important thing for me is to give them my like love and enjoyment of playing. Absolutely. I feel like once I give them that, and they're really excited to play and to practice, then we can drill into the okay. Now you get to learn rudiments, and now you get to learn what eighth notes are, and now you, you know bit. Getting them excited about playing, to me, is the most important thing. That's the way I think it should always be done. Absolutely. Technique,
2: all that other stuff, is secondary to the music. Oh, yeah. And if you get in and you start learning it, then you figure out where the technique can help you. Then you start filling in the gaps. Absolutely. But so so much of it's done backwards. There's so much technique given up front because it's easy to teach. Well, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. You I can mean, I don't mean out. to be
1: mean to teachers, but it's not—that's the the part that's easy. But unfortunately, for the student, it's so boring that you can turn a student off to an instrument before they've had a chance to decide if they want to play it. Exactly. You know, and that's so. i i agree with you, Dan and, and Charlie about that because now when I teach, I—it takes me weeks to start to discuss even holding the sticks with somebody mm. because they usually pick them up in some way. And they can able to bang out some beats, and so we I get beats to happen, I get songs to happen, and I warn them. I said, this is going to be fun, and then but we 're going to do have to do the part later, the reading and the rudiments and oh, the holding yeah. of the sticks.
0: I actually modeled my class after the p i t classes where oh. the first half of my my class, the first hour of the two hour class is reading and rudiments and i make everybody buy a pad and like really go through how to look at notes and i I tell them i'm not doing this to torture you i'm doing this so that you can go and go to a music store and buy a book of a band that you like or go on the internet and look up exercises if i give you the tools you can do a lot more than just listen to me carry on about this forever and then the second half of the class everybody plays the kit whoever's not playing watches you know, so I, I make sure cool. they get the fundamentals because only a five week long class in five weeks is not enough time to really learn how to do anything. But the goal of that class, like I said, I want to get them excited like I am and I want to give them enough material. The last week of the class, I make them all play a song that they like for the rest of the class. Yeah. And most of them get to the point where they can play something. We'll do a verse and a chorus to keep it simple. But I like taking oh, them from yeah. I don't know what the, any of this is to. This is me playing my favorite song. I know.
1: It's, if you can motivate them, it's shocking how quickly you can get to play them, so get them to play something that's motivating for them. Absolutely. You know, and playing music is why we all do it. And drums, you know, this is only my opinion, mm-hmm. but drums are a very subservient instrument. I, you know, I'm not, I've practiced a lot in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I'm not a person that enjoys practicing, mm-hmm. um, but it's something that needs to be done. But I love to play. I mean, I could play with musicians, you know, all day and night. Yeah. But... You know, after a few hours of practice, I've I've had enough of of banging on them by myself. I so. can do about five minutes now. <laughs> yeah, it gets harder, doesn't it? I used to be able to do five eight hours, but boy, I can do I, five I eight minutes in,
0: now. So I skip entire days now, which is bad. But I always know. All right, make sure you do at least this much, or you're going to lose stuff. So
1: you do, but you, you know. know what? It's sometimes, like, like I've been doing a lot of bass gigs. I play bass in a band, and um, oh, nice. So that's been taking a lot of my time right now. So I, there's big holes in times when I'm playing the drums, but you know it's interesting to get away from it a bit when you've played as long as I have, and kind of at least it worked for me. Take a little bit of a breather, because like, then you come by back with some fresh things. I, I've I stopped, not stopped, but I had a long enough break between playing drums and bass that I, that I started to play a little differently, and. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked it. I liked the thing going in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, you probably yeah. found that when you were doing your album because you oh, don't yeah. have as much time to play. Mm-hmm. So you cuz you have to like for me, I I was working on a song with Charlie recently here um that I wrote um and the drums, we just, the, I was in a hurry just to get them done. I mean, I was actually in a hurry because I, I knew I needed all the other time to do the other stuff. Yeah. So I didn't look at the drums after that. we got the drums done. I think we did them first we, on this. Yeah, one. we did them first. Yeah, we did the drums first on this because we knew this what we I'd worked on the song for a long time. Right. But that was, you know, you had to, uh, there's only so much time in a day. Yeah. So, but I don't think you lose anything. I think as long as you're playing music. Um, That's true. Because, you know, how much do we... <laughs> how much do we not know about this? Can yeah? Can you always be faster? Absolutely. Can right. you always? And you play a music
0: that takes a lot more uh, upkeep than I do. Yeah. yeah my, well, my it music, also. So. I've got. I've been doing it so long that I can tell when it you when it needs the work and how much it needs. Like yeah. if I have a Cliff Amal show coming, I I drill hard for like a month before the first rehearsal because by the time I'm in a room with those three guys, I better be in good yeah, shape. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And then we do you know two or three rehearsals before we I do the game. I can see that man. Yeah, hopefully we'll be playing it's again. Pretty soon. good. Yeah, yeah. charlie it was really times. good. Yeah. yeah, I gotta check it out. Uh, yeah, and especially pe-
1: cause that era. Uh, it's the early times. Right?
0: It is, and I we play at their live speeds. We don't oh, play the record oh. speeds. Oh, Ernesto God. and I were at the last show, and we were just in the back of the room, just laughing
2: hysterically <laughs> it at it how just fast some of it was. I was yeah. tired watching it. I had to sit down. Oh,
1: I gotta see this, Dan. That'd yeah. be fantastic. And they're tight.
0: Yeah. It's wow. tight, and we we play Whiplash and Fight Fire with Fire, and we we tear through the songs. So you know, because wow. if we're going to do that and be like the the crazy era Metallica band, we gotta do it. Oh, I gotta do check that, that right? out. So. That'd be fantastic. Yeah,
1: but so, I think, back to your initial question, I think that's how education. Uh, I hope will change. It's it's difficult for large um, organizations to make big changes, and yes. I think they th- they think, and maybe they're right. Uh, I could be certainly be wrong, but they think that it's working well. But I think it's important to look. You know, there's just so much technology available that that's so inexpensive. Yeah. So you know, if you, you know, when we were when I was first teaching years ago at Musicians Institute, you know, you would just tell somebody, "Well, it's slowed down or it's sped up." You know, the, to determine how much that is, unless you're recording it, is impossible to understand. So yeah. Then when it became time to actually let them be in the studio, they learned. So much more quickly because you could point it out. Well, it slowed down. Well, how much? Well, this much. Let me play it for you. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, that's mm-hmm. what you meant. That's what it feels like. That's so it's not slowing down. It's just pulling back too far. It's like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. you know. And that's not saying that somebody's not a good teacher because they can't explain that. It's you, it's it's something that. You know, it's such a a variable. So allowing a student to hear their performances, I think that is the ultimate education now. To have somebody that understands how to improve a student's ability to perform, let the student hear what they're doing, see if they can hear what's wrong.
0: And see it, too. There's so much video. We have video phones now.
1: Absolutely. And you can do it anywhere, you know, any place, and it can sound damn good. Yeah. So... Sound better than some records
0: I <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. The main, the main thing that I always try to convey to the students, too, is number one, I don't want them feeling, especially in the beginning class, don't feel pain. If something hurts, stop. Let's yeah. talk about it. Yeah, that's that's the point. first thing is I don't want any injuries. And the other one is I want them to have fun doing it. Like, especially in the beginner level. You know, as they get into, into like the harder class that I teach, I drill them a little bit more. Like, you know, instead of they get to pick what they want to play, I give them a list and they get to pick some things. And there's some stuff they just have to play. Oh, so nice. I turn the pressure up a little bit on them in the next class. But yeah. in the beginning, it's I want you to get excited about playing, so that when you have to practice freaking quarter notes, like I want you to be able to go. This is to learn how to play the song. That's why I'm doing it. See, that's you know?
1: exactly the point. I think is you. It's it used to be let's practice on the pad, and then later we'll play the drum set. And it's like oh, okay. I'll do that. but now i think if you can offer um you know highlights to them like yeah. look you can just do these paradiddles because then you're going to be able to do this it's like oh okay and that's exactly that's what, what worth i'm worth learning that and
0: i do that especially with drags and roughs like it seems like that's the most awkward stupid thing to play on the pad <laughs> but when i show them a ghost note groove with the snare drum they're like Oh, that's why I need to learn how to exactly. do that. You know, so, it's but, practical. Yeah, you know? but I right. think there was
1: a time when teachers didn't feel like they were supposed to have to teach anybody. That they were just this authority, and they were going to tell you what to do. And yeah. I think that's a real error um, because you can turn, you know, the diehards are going to always play and get better. Yeah, but you can really wound people that could have ended up being really great musicians if you're not if you're not careful with music education. And there's a lot of people doing it great out there. I mean yeah. lots of people doing it great.
0: And honestly, I feel like you know part of my responsibility is like I could be unlocking the next awesome drummer to do great tunes. Exactly. Like, you know, I want to. I want more of that. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's one of the three reasons why I like it. I like the idea of like growing. You know, the next era of Jedi Knights. <laughs> <Jedi laughs> well, you know, years nah. ago, I heard this
1: interview with uh, Roger Moore. It, uh, I think he just passed away recently. James Bond, mm. and he went to some big acting school in England. And the guy, the head of the school, took him aside and said, I'm sorry, you'll never be an actor. Mm. You just don't have it. Mm. So what an amazing thing to say to somebody. And then the guy had to go on to have such a career, you know. And, yeah, was he a great actor? Know, it's hard to know, but I, he was James Bond. I hope he yeah.
2: stopped by one day and knocked on the door. Remember me? I know.
1: <laughs> but I just can't imagine that, you know, people, someone in, would have the audacity to say that to somebody. But I think that... It's not just music education. I think that education, you know, it can be such an amazing thing. Or it could be a real
0: crushing thing. Especially with something like the arts, where people who are going to go to the next level with an art, whether it's acting or music or some sort of creative discipline, like, you're you're clearly into it and you can get crushed because it's... A career path and a passion, and now you're being told you're no good. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Like that, that's the brutal part of it. That's the part I'd like to see change because I feel like that old school mentality of you can't do it and we're gonna do it this way. There is a way to make a really great player into a legend doing that, but making a good player into a great player is much harder my guitar Absolutely. player and among the infected lee brought that up and he was right you know that old school like that disciplinarian way of doing things like it's turning good into great it, yeah, yeah that that doesn't work no you know it was the
1: methodology for many 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 generations i, I guess you know the old thing with the piano teacher and wrapping your knuckles with the ruler <laughs> you know but i just yeah. it's Like you say, stepping on somebody's passion, and who's to say if somebody's no good, you know? Yeah. I mean... So many terrible musicians made great music, so... Exactly, (laughs) you know? It's It's very subjective. I'm a huge Cure fan. Is Robert Smith a great singer? Hard to know. But if he was in a music school to learn about singing, people, they would probably listen to him and go, okay, (laughs) let's see if we can fix that thing up, Robert. Absolutely. But I'm... I love what he does. I think it's fantastic. So, you know, that personality is what gets forgotten sometimes in education because we have this cookie cutter mentality. But I, I mean, I really have to emphasize that that's changing. You know, I think out there a great deal. I hope that you hope you guys see that in the when you see people perform that that's changing. So,
2: yeah, I'm actually hopeful some of the 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 much younger generations, you know, late teens, early twenties, that they're actually playing together wow yeah like, like you know band? or at least a lot of the people i get to work for, maybe recording? that's because of the way i do things i don't know but we're, we're tracking a lot of stuff like this that's country great. band i'm working with now they're all mid early mid 20s we're doing everything live including the vocals i mean that's the setup in the right there we're that's two awesome. more days this that's weekend amazing. but a lot of bands that way we come in a day knock out a few tunes and it's at least keeping the drums bass and most of the time some of the guitars too
1: I mean, we forget, yeah. We try to still people still try to emulate classic rock because somehow it's still popular.
0: Floyd and those, all those old bands. The whole doing something together thing—that's what they did. Permeates the whole experience.
1: Absolutely, and that's why those records are still big with people even in their teens. That. They go back and hear that music because there's a humanity in it. I think that we forget, and so we now mm-hmm. often we try to make records where everybody playing separately. Oh, I wanted to sound like that record was. Well, well, they all played together. It's also
0: dominant in the other forms of media, like like all the Marvel movies have all songs from the 70s and 80s. Like that's you, true, you know. And video games too. There's old tunes getting into these games. Well, they're effective.
1: Know? Apparently, or they wouldn't be
0: bothering. Yeah, you know, because they're not cheap to get those songs a lot of times. No, yeah. especially not like I just saw Thor Ragnarok and they had the immigrant song in it and i was like okay that costs some money that costs some money but it's marvel and it's like the fifth one of these things or sixth one of these things oh. so, but man having vikings fighting with the actual song oh, i was like well, this is yeah. awesome was it a good movie i loved it yeah, yeah i gotta see it i heard it was fun it was really fun yeah, it I was mean, it, i mean superhero I it. aside i thought it was just a fun movie That's like everything heard. about it and the, the
1: s- reviewer said that Marvel has finally brought back the fun to their movies. Oh, so. it's
0: so fun. And uh, the composer, Mark Mothersbaugh, is amazing. Like oh, it was it Mark Mothersbaugh? Yeah, he's oh. put so many awesome styles. He's got, like, that epic classical music mixed with, like, 80s... Techno and then industrial and like heavy metal guitars and just wow. I'm there like this is all of my favorite things at once like it was almost <laughs> hard
2: it was almost Dan hard didn't to even know there was a movie going on at that point <laughs> well,
1: yeah. was,
0: he's in the back
1: yeah <laughs> oh, and the,
0: without spoiling the movie like the actual story and the things that were going on were also some of my favorite things so I'm like I can't take this all in I have to see it again <laughs> oh that's fantastic I will have to go see it yeah so we're actually getting close to the end here we got through this quickly wow that did yep. go by very, very fast quickly. very cool so anything else any parting words of wisdom for our audience here tim just if you want to
1: play an instrument play it you know and play it well take the time to to know something about it i think and to listen to older players that did something before you and listen to new players that are doing new things and and take it all in um Players are just going to get better and better and better. That's how it works. But we don't want to lose the humanity of things. And it's nice to hear from Charlie that that stuff is returning to some degree because
0: that's really what makes great musicians is musicians playing together with musicians. Mm-hmm. Perfectly stated. Yep. Excellent. Thank you again for being on the show, Tim. Thanks this for was having me. Yeah, I you. appreciate it very much. It was very fun. I Got it. It. Charlie, thank you again. And thank you, audience, for tuning in. Remember, the Music Chamber Live on Facebook, on Instagram, on SoundCloud, at The MC Live on Twitter. Uh, We keep trying to sell this thing. We have some offers, but uh, we think you guys can do better. There's got to be a rapper or a comedian (laughs) who wants this. Come on, guys.
2: (laughs) December 7th, we'll be back here on
0: uh, the YouTube channel Yes, with uh, Toys for Tots Benefit. Yes, December 7th, and uh, we're going to have another guest pretty soon before that happens, too. So stay tuned. We'll have more stuff for you. Thank you again. Have an excellent night. Good night. All right.